0: We're starting to see is a transfer of wealth, uh, the boomers to the millennials.
1: Hello, and welcome to Pillars of Wealth Creation, where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Now, let's get to it. Hello, and welcome back to Pillars of Wealth Creation. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer, with me excited to have Karen Briscoe. Karen, how are you doing today?
0: I'm doing well. I'm looking forward to our conversation. We had a little bit of pre-visit, uh, and and so I know we're going to have a good one today.
1: Yeah, we got to get you uh, in and out so you can go play some golf, but we're still going to have an awesome interview, and we're not going to hurry you out. So, you know, if you don't hit the course, I'm sorry, but we're just having too much fun, that means.
0: Oh, uh, we'll just walk on, and <laughs> <laughs> it'll be fine.
1: Love it. So, Karen, uh, why don't you tell our listeners a bit about know what you got going on what you're doing today and and maybe we'll dive into some background and then and then uh man we're gonna we're gonna do so much today so
0: well some of my titles are mega real estate agent so i run a team in the northern virginia washington dc metro region we just hit rail real trends ranking came out so we're the top mclean team um in Virginia. Uh, So for under the large category, I don't know where these categories come from, but whatever, it means that we sell a lot of houses, probably about 100 million. Uh, We have a very sophisticated clientele. So our average sales price is over a million dollars. So we, um, we deal with the, you know, the top echelon of the clientele. And then also I'm a coach. So as often happens, when you achieve a high level success, people want to know how you do it. And so I coach people and, and I'm an author of four books. One of them is Real Estate Success in Five Minutes a Day. That's the one that's back up on the wall there. And a podcast host, my podcast uh, has had over 400 episodes. Um, I understand you're at over 600. So I think that's pretty amazing accomplishment. But 400 is actually uh, really strong too in the podcasting oh, yeah. world. So those are my titles, if you will. I'm also a member of Go Abundance, which I know we have a connection there. We may want to chat about that because it's definitely been very impactful in my uh, my creative success journey. I, I look at my my career life as the business side where I grew my business, and then I started to pursue more of the creative endeavors and personal development side. And so GoBunits has definitely been a part of that.
1: Love it. Love it. Um, what, so before you started doing all of this, like, or how, how'd you get into doing all of this, I guess? maybe we should. Oh, well, that's there. a good
0: origin story. Yes.
1: Yeah, <laughs> let's do that. Well,
0: I like to say I started in dirt, uh, dirt. in early eighties. Well, i like to say I did. And I worked for, uh, Tremel Crow land developer in Texas and Dallas. And I, I loved it. It was a great career. I met my husband and then we had children. And then his career took us to the DC metro region. And because of his travel schedule, he was in public policy and he was all over the world. And I was the primary caregiver for majority of uh, our two children's um lives i didn't i i went i say i went back to work full-time when my son our son left for college so i share that story because some it it, this my story is you can start at any time and that i um i did some low-level jobs but nothing meaningful when i went back to work i really did uh Feel like I found myself. Like uh, I, I, I enjoyed being with my children. It was, it was a blessing. At the same time, it was not my skill set. I am a business person at heart and a deal maker. Although I feel like I was making a lot of deals with my yeah, son. Yeah, I was going to say uh, you're doing a lot of negotiating. <laughs> a lot of negotiating. I really, I, I honed my skills on a three year old uh, redhead. Um, and he's now commercial real estate, and I'm like, I oh, taught great. you everything you know. Like yeah. you know how to negotiate. So, um, so anyhow, that it, so when I re-entered the workforce in um how, about... how old
1: would you, would you have been when you re-entered the workforce
0: uh, so i was in my early 40s
1: okay that's awesome
0: yeah and so i went back into commercial because i thought that's what i wanted to do mm-hmm. and i went to work for nextel which is a telecom and yeah. working for the real estate side though so uh mm-hmm. for the stallback company which is now jones lang saul and they uh, we manage their sales engineering warehouse offices. And I share this because I thought it was the most boring thing that one could ever do. <laughs> like, how many sales engineering warehouse offices have you seen? And how many do you want to go see again? Yeah. And so when the tech bust happened, I looked around and I was like, someone said, we well, you have your license. Why don't you try residential? And If you've been in the real estate world, the commercial side, many people look at as the hard skills, you know, negotiation, market knowledge, strategy. And they look at the people in the residential side, they go, oh, they're doing all that softy stuff, you know, (laughs) relationships, people, feelings, emotions. And yet I found I have them both. I I really do. I, I love them both. I love that combination. And so I met with success very rapidly. And when that happens, people notice, right? And so the, uh, Sue Huckabee was number 10 in the nation at the time, asked me to become her partner. And then she passed away, sadly, in um, 08. And so I took over a business the week the financial markets crashed. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> the other thing I'm really good at is being resilient. Um, I did have a lot of muscle memory from the savings and loan crisis in Texas in the 80s. And I saw it happening. I really did. I, I could have predicted that it was it was a rational exuberance. If anybody would have asked me, I, was, I saw it's happening. Uh, and The people that listened um, were successful in selling when they should have. Uh, mm-hmm. the, uh, but then rebuilding a business with losing your business partner and the market crashing. And it's it very high end. I, I shared with the beginning, our clientele is very sophisticated, very high end. So it's very expensive marketing and overhead. And so I, in 09, my business partner now, Lizzie Conroy, we've been together now 14 years. So she joined me and we set about rebuilding it. And that's part of a lot of my success stories because a lot of, you know, not everyone survived the market correction, but those that did, they all, most of them didn't also have their business partner pass away. So that right. led to people asking me how I did it. And that's what led to the book. Because I felt like I found that the stories I told when I was coaching and speaking, people were like, wow, that really resonates. And so I, um, it was actually Pat Hyben that I uh, talked to very early on when I was first thinking about writing my book. And so he's been very instrumental in a lot of um, my journey. So
1: the name of your book
0: real estate success in five minutes a day. So you say, well, how did that come about? I'm like, well, (laughs) I would ask, I would share people, agents, um, how to be successful. And most people in the personal and business development said they didn't have enough time. Hmm. And I was like, well, do you have five minutes a day? And what happens Everybody's
1: got five minutes. Everybody's got five minutes. So
0: it broke down their resistance, right? So the idea is- you know, if you, if you invest five minutes a day, you'll start to, you know, a number of things can happen. You can have the domino effect. You can have yeah. the ripple effect. You can have the snowball effect. You can have the exponential effect. There's so many ways that you'll start to experience the benefits of it, but you have to start. <laughs> right. I mean, it's like anything, like if you, yeah, you won't get good at something if you don't do it. So to break down the, the resistance was the five minutes a day. And it's actually Parkinson's law. I've become kind of a time guru because now everybody wants to know about productivity um but there is a, a law known as parkinson's law and it means it 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 um is that restricting and limiting time will actually help you be more effective and efficient and the best example i can give is when you're getting ready to go out of town how many things do you get done oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah so you really do focus on what you know you should be doing because many people get um caught up in the minutiae. And the other thing about focusing on your business development or personal development, even in small chunks, is that oftentimes there could be a tsunami effect to information. Uh, you go to a, a training or a seminar, like how much do you actually retain and yep. practice and bring from people? a
1: fire hose and, yes. and nothing goes in, it all goes to the side. You still get, right. a, you still get a sip of water. Your belly can only fit so much, right? But-
0: so, The way this is set up, (laughs) yeah, so instead of reading a traditional real estate book, say, for example, that's like chapter one, you're like, you read one page a day, which takes five minutes or less. And then you implement that in your business and life. And then that starts to build. And so it's it's set up as a daily reader, which is a very well-known format for personal development and, and religious literature. What I found, though, is it's very rarely used in business. Um, genre, and so it's kind mm-hmm. of like bringing together two concepts. So that's why I felt like, or I found has been, what has been so impactful is because uh, there's a lot of real estate books out there. Uh, most of them are more of the traditional, yeah. Um, yeah, format.
1: You read it from start to finish, yes, as quick as you can, yeah. And then the other thing is like, yeah, I really like what you just said. Is that you you read. 5 minutes a day and then you implement it and that's something that so many people do with books is they read it they don't implement it and then they go just they just move on to the next one as quick as they can because somebody told them and it sounds good but somebody told them you got to read so many books and they're like oh okay i'm going to read i got to do a book a month or two books a month or whatever it is and all of a sudden they they're done with all these books but they have really learned nothing but well, they yes. learned a bunch of stuff but they haven't implemented anything
0: yeah, so information or or any any kind of training without implementation is really just a form of entertainment, which is fine. I mean, it's a more better entertainment than other things sure. you could be doing with your time, and maybe some of it will you know sink in. So I'm not discounting that, but at the same time, the idea is you'll have more impact if you right. implement what you're actually reading.
1: Yeah, well, absolutely. Let's talk about rebuilding during, uh, during the crash and you, you got to do it and you got to not only rebuild during the crash, but as you said, your business partner passed away. So you even had more of a kind of a hurdle than, than most people. Right. Um, so how did you pivot? You rebuilt, you got, had a lot of success after like, what are some of the keys to your pivot and to be able to become successful?
0: Well, the first one was really uh, took a hard look at all the expenses, because <laughs> mm-hmm. if you'll remember, I was I was in a market that was a very high-end luxury market that was very heavy on advertising and marketing and expenses, and so made a lot of adjustments to that. Also, you know, kind of like moving a big ship, you don't really move it overnight, but moving to what I would call a more affordable home instead of $3 million, a million dollars, but <laughs> uh, and also recognizing uh, the the people who really had a need uh, to buy or sell back to real estate in the residential side, there is almost always a life event associated with it. Yeah. Um, and I didn't get involved really in the short sale foreclosure, although I did a few, very, very few, but we did um, refocus back on the why people were making the move and focus on that market dish. And then I would say the other big, most the significant thing was people. Hmm. So I recognized pretty quickly that I did enjoy working on, a, you know, the team aff- approach and the partner approach. And so uh, Lizzie is 15 years younger than me and she, she brought a, breath of fresh air she wasn't burned out at all <laughs> so she had energy and i'm like going okay let's do it so uh i had the experience and i had you know the the knowledge and she had the energy and and the enthusiasm and um so that was a great combination and then the other thing and i'll say this is well, all these things are ongoing right i mean every market is constantly shifting The good news is I'm starting to, I can recognize it so much faster and more uh, looking forward like Wayne Gretzky, right? Like skating to where the puck is going. I'm constantly scanning the horizon and going, where is it going? Where is it going? Where is it going? Um, And how I do that is really heavily um, dive into the market data, the supply and demand, because that's what I saw happening in the 0405 was that supply continued to grow relative to demand. And that's how I predicted the crash. Um, it took a couple more years, but I could see it steadily building. Sure. And so that's I, I we focus a lot on that and educating our our clients or sellers and buyers on the market and being in the market they're in. Now again the benefit to residential is that it has another um, very important aspect to it. People have to have a place to live. So it, there's going to be life events and people are, we call it the D's. So uh, the most significant ones are uh, the diapers. There's, the most motivated person on earth is a pregnant woman.
1: <laughs> um <laughs> They got to have that extra. Bedroom, absolutely. Two yeah. Or three. Oh.
0: <laughs> Dogs are very um, Dogs. motivating. Um, divorce and death yep. are the yep. challenging side, uh, but they are going to move debt. That's what happened in the financial mm-hmm. market crash is one um, downsizing. So we're seeing, you know, a lot of that with the, um, the baby boomers. And um, so I, I've got a bunch of D's, but diamonds getting married, um, <laughs> So, oh, I, I yeah, so I can come up with, but so the we focus on that, we really do, yeah. because if, the, the, the the good necessity, news, right? I well, mean, yeah, when you're in the middle of where they're already going or thinking about going, then it's, yeah, it, 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 it's a more natural, um, cell, if you will. It's, and um, so we, so that is something that we, but again, it's an ongoing, ongoing, um, because it's constantly changing. The one thing I did not predict was the pandemic. <laughs> uh, and I I knew that, that was going to eventually... I knew something was going to happen. It was interesting because it's like, you know, I kept saying, I, I think we're going to have an event. It's going to be kind of like a 9-11 event. Like, I can't tell you what it's going to be. And I can't tell you when it's going to be. But I feel like that is on our horizon. And I was saying that for a good year before not before pandemic happened you kind of
1: do right i mean those those events although they're black swan events you can't predict when you can't predict exactly what it is they do happen and they happen and and you just you have to be prepared for those events not paralyzed by the way not scared but do you have to be prepared for for those and just like any recession you have to be prepared speaking of that is today irrational exuberance is are we you know, a lot of people are predicting this big crash and some people are saying no 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 hold on it's not going to happen um you know where do you feel like we're at today
0: i feel like the the market is completely different um and the biggest reason is because of demographics
1: hmm. so there's another the, d for you
0: yeah the largest The largest population ever were baby boomers of 70, um, 74 million. And they birthed the largest population of millennials of 91 million. Mm. And every generation in between baby boomers and millennials was smaller. So the housing needs never reached the baby boomer level. We always had plenty of housing, technically, because each generation after that was smaller. Yep. So the millennials, we're already gonna be short a delta of about 14 million housing if they cohabitate, marry together, 7 million. So we're already gonna be short. So we and the thing that's that's unique to what's gonna occur, I think, going forward is that the pandemic really accentuated the desire to get the dog, the diamond, the diapers (laughs) at at a level that, I mean, my son's right in the middle of it, but if you knew how many babies that are being born out there, we are having a baby boom. And so everything that we saw after the last boom is going to be even bigger because most, again, most infrastructure schools daycare all the things up the largest ever built for it was baby boomers so we're going to have more demand the other factor that has occurred in the housing sector is that the um many of the developers and builders lost option on their land and their ability right. to uh, in the financial market crash so we have a delta of probably at least 10 million shortage of housing units uh that and, ha-
1: and it's not affordable. with that too yeah right a, hey,
0: well none of it's affordable
1: it's hard to make it affordable i mean you can't build. can't buy but, the
0: land and the construction costs and yeah
1: yeah and labor and and it's just it's amazing i mean we were making a comment about our apartment renovations you know we used to be able to renovate an apartment for six to eight thousand a unit in that same exact style same same everything you're you're talking sixteen to twenty thousand a unit you know so it's just it's just a totally different deal when we're talking expenses to to build um I so this well, has are always you, been are a you question sick-
0: are you seeing this a trend as well? I mean, are you seeing demand on your end? Because I would think y'all would be the beginning of the demand of the
1: Yeah, so, so 100%, housing 100%, a lot of demand where I, uh, there is a lot of building though that has taken place over the last several years. And so it depends on the market. Um, you know, Midwest and Northeast aren't, aren't really being affected too much for the most part. But, you know, some of the West markets, some of the Southeast markets, uh, are definitely getting oversupplied. Now, I would say short-term oversupplied more than long-term oversupplied. Um so, so it's interesting. One one thing that has always interested me to to understand and is what will the baby boomer generation how will that impact the housing supply? So you've got all these baby boomers that own their house still, most of them do they eventually are going to sell their house and either die or move into an apartment or move into assisted living or, you know, wherever. But eventually they're going to sell their house. Will that cause a, a flood in the market of new supply that maybe won't be kept up with?
0: Well, most of that is in markets that... Um... They really, we really need them to move. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, most of them are moving either to be near children. Uh, they're just now starting to choose to go to some sort of long term living choice. There's a, in the Northern Virginia area, there's a very, very high end complex, big belt. Um, and it, like to buy it is 1.5 million <laughs> hmm. to buy in. Yeah to it. Uh, So we're seeing, you know, they're going there. Um, They're moving in with their children. There's a lot of that. And then the people that are on the upper income level, they are actually buying more houses. Yeah. So they're buying the second home because what they're doing is wanting to have a place to go in the event that something like a pandemic ever happened again. So they're actually buying more houses and less houses. And many of them are Particularly if they're leaving the, leaving the expensive market to a, a a lower price market, or actually, I had a, a seller who sold their house in McLean last year for one point three million, decided to return, retire to Maine, and they're spending one point eight million. They're not yeah. spending less money. Yeah. And the other thing I believe we're going to see, or we're starting to see, is a transfer of wealth, yeah. uh, the boomers to the millennials. So people are like, well, how are the millennials buying these houses? I'm like, well, first of all, (laughs) they're getting an injection of of money that the baby boomer generation didn't get. The silvers didn't ever, they came out of the, they were a great generation, but they came out of, you know, the depression era. They did not pass down wealth to their, their, by and large, to their children, but the baby boomers are. Um, So I, I think that, uh, I think there's still a lot of opportunity. Is my point because these kind of demographic back to like why people buy and sell houses when they're doing it for personal reasons? They the money matters. Yes, I'm not saying that doesn't matter. But people were like so surprised when interest rates doubled, and people were we still had more demand than supply. Now it it could it could change. So I'm not saying this is a forever thing. But currently it is still very much a demand market more than it is a supply market. So I don't think we're anywhere there yet. I I, I would like a lot more of those baby boobers to sell their houses.
1: <laughs> we need them to sell their houses. Yeah, we do. We need they to they open up the inventory.
0: In. Yeah, they really well, do because their inventory is in places. Remember if the, if they live in a, a place as a boomer they were built for boomers those suburbs or whatever yeah those are usually the best schools or the best you know yeah. that's what this generation wants and we need them to leave so that we can fill it in with this generation and you know move on you know the progression of of uh you know the the those that generation needs the schools yeah. right
1: <laughs> what i i look at my parents my in-laws a, a lot of the the you know, their friends, um, uncles, aunts, they're all living in affordable housing, housing that when they sell is relatively affordable compared to a brand new house that's put up. Right. And so, you know, they're, they're the house that, that younger person is looking to move into, um, and can afford. So, um, you said something before we started, uh, recording and I thought that was it was it was really good i really liked what you said you talked about learning from you have a podcast and you talked about you like to learn from people from different industries Let, let's talk a little bit about that why do you like to learn from people that are in different industries versus just your industry
0: well what i found is is that there's a lot of recycling of ideas and concepts in industries i don't think it's only the case for real estate, uh, but it, it and some of that's good. I mean, you know, your best practices mm-hmm. and you learn from each other and and all of that. What I find when really want to quote unquote think outside the box or get creative in your approach, that learning it from somewhere else is where you're going to have more of a a you know epiphany or and make make a breakthrough um, because f- frequently what we're doing is just rehashing the same things over and over again. And so to, to get out of that, I I was watching a movie the other day. I've seen it before, but you may remember it's called flash of genius. And it was the gentleman who invented the intermittent wiper Mm. (laughs) and, and other inventors have said things like this, had these experiences, but the epiphany came when he was watching the wiper, but thinking about how it was like his, eyelid about how this eyelid blinked and he's like well why couldn't a wiper blink well that it's that kind of thinking that is where really truly you're gonna have more of an exponential leap yeah um you could have other forms of growth uh, but those are where you like go to another level right and usually yeah what i find is is that most people achieve a certain level of success to like kind of a ceiling, like they're mm-hmm. capable of doing to this level. This is why masterminds are so powerful and well, podcasts and reading things that help you see something another way. But most people have a level of thinking that just kind of like hits a ceiling to break through that ceiling requires a new level of thinking. And a new level of thinking often requires putting yourself into it, you know, situation or knowledge opportunities that are going to take you to that next level because very few people can see how to get to the next level themselves. Yeah, you have to so see true. somebody else do it oftentimes. Right? And yeah. then that, that that's well, how.
1: Right, we're conditioned by the people who are around the most and in hear the most. And that's why I think podcasts are so powerful because if you're listening, you talk about people, you you are who you hang around. Well, when you read books and when you listen to podcasts, that's who you're around and you're starting to get conditioned by them. So yeah, listen to podcasts with successful people like Karen that are at a different level. Now you're going to be around her and can hear, hey, this this is the next level. Right. And there's, then, and then when you get to that level, you got to break the gla- the glass ceiling, right. And then you got to get to the next one.
0: So, yeah. Because what happens is if you, if you're not growing, then, you know, it's like your muscle, right. I mean, that's yeah. the reason why, you know, people are in hospital beds atrophy, right. Mm-hmm. So when, when people stop growing, I mean, I would say out of, you know, growth mindset is one of the most important attributes I look for in people be- and I really want to, um, for myself as well because it's when people's like oh we've always done it this way you know that yeah. all that philosophy is is where people um oftentimes their business and their life they just it, it's gonna uh if you're not growing you're you're actually deteriorating i yeah. I, I say everything's're dying yeah, you really yeah. are I mean yeah. our bodies are our <laughs> yeah. relationships are our business are, are. Yeah, yeah our minds are so it it requires but that's the good news is. I find that empowering, right? I have more control, if you will, or more hmm. opportunity uh, yeah. to predict my future because I'm going to be a part of it, right? Yeah.
1: It's not something to be scared of, right? It's it's something to be aware of and then go and take action on on it. So what are you doing? What are you doing to make sure you are growing?
0: Well, so that's one reason why I love the GoBundance Women's Tribe is that that... Uh, arena is a lot of real estate so that's great because we mm-hmm. you know have some things we have in common and yet so many of the of the women are doing things uh that are you know in different arenas or different ways and the whole mission you know to um you know inspire is is very powerful and so i have enjoyed being i've been in other masterminds and other groups but the one that um because again, I've been in the real estate ones and it just feels like I'm just doing the same thing over and over and over again. Yeah. So this is really uh to a new, a new level.
1: Love it. Love it. Again, surrounding yourself with people that are where you're at and above of where you're at. So, so yeah. um, what's a mistake that you've made?
0: Oh, <laughs> you know, it was interesting. I was sharing something with my business partner the other day. I was like, wow, I worried about a lot of the wrong things. Yeah. You know, I, I, I look back at the things that I focused on and what I realized is what I, I should have been focusing on was, uh, the the people, the who I'm sure you've heard of Dr. Benjamin Hardy in the book, Dan Sullivan, who, not how I, 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 I feel like I could look back and I was like, well, how are we going to do that? And also focused on what it was going to cost. Yeah. And, I, and I'm, yeah. I'm a money person. So it, and that's how I got through the yeah. market crash. So it was a good trait to have. What happened? And cost is a
1: real thing, right? The it's cost it's not- is a real
0: thing. <laughs> I mean, employees cost money. Yeah. And yet at the same time, when I have focused on the investment in people and focused on the right people instead yeah. of just trying to make sure or, you know, keep the cost down. Because I, I, there's this one example, and I was like, I was so focused on what workers' compensation was going to cost me that I wasn't letting go a person that was just really not a good fit for either side, and I, I delayed it, <laughs> and it caused more problems in the sense that it, it was really sucking the energy out of the team and the other staff members, and and I was like, wow, when I look at the overall scheme of things. I was focused on the, the wrong thing, and so the good news is I recognize that, and so this time around I'm like catching myself earlier and saying, okay, yes, there will be a cost to making this decision, and yet at the same time, there's also a cost to not making the decision, and that's a has more than just a financial number to it, um, so, but it's it's um. It's something that I'm still learning and growing and becoming better than before. I'm a big Elrod fan, and that's one of his um, affirmations. So whenever I'm like going, oh, I'm going to get to learn more and grow more (laughs) and become better than before again.
1: (laughs) You know, we're always learning Uh, well. That's the, Uh, we should be always learning, right? We should be always learning. learning. Some people don't, some people just take the, these, you know, things that go wrong or don't go perfect. And they just, they let it, they let it paralyze them. That's the key is you can't let that stuff paralyze you. You got to go, what did I learn from it? How can I grow from this? How can I get better?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And change the way you look at things. That's one of my other change the way you look at things. Yeah. And the way you look at things changes. And so as soon as I saw that what I was looking at the way I was looking at it was not benefiting me. <laughs> and um, I'm like, okay, well, let's change whenever we're looking at this. This is a cost. Yes. I we're going to, you know, pay the expense. The investment though in the team and the staff and having the right person, yeah, is where we will go into the future. And that future thinking person says, Yes, that's where I want to be, not back here focused on, you know, this that Expense here, so
1: yeah, love that, love that,
0: Karen. Um,
1: what's a what's a book that you've enjoyed reading lately? um Something you can pass on to our listeners.
0: Well, I will say that the, Dr. Hardy's, you know, who not how he also has out right now the ten X is easier than two X, and just these. Well, the titles are the whole concept, but it's really powerful because you can really apply it. You know, mm-hmm. very quickly you can say. Okay, I'm doing these activities that are at a 2lex level. It's not going to get me to the next level, right? I really need to have completely different thinking to get to that <laughs> next level. It's not just like doing more of this and so I I appreciate his writing. Uh, my, my biggest fan is still Hal Elrod because he's endorsed my books and Miracle Morning was the very instrumental and in Do you follow it? Absolutely. I have my yeah. morning routine and I do my five minute journal happening. Are you, app are you like a
1: four AM or
0: not quite. <laughs> like a between five thirty and six AM. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The idea is, you know, even how the five minute success, he's like, really, you could do the whole thing in seven minutes. So the idea is not the amount of time, it's the yeah. it's the commitment to yourself. Like it, really what I found is is that it really is an investment in myself. I mean, even Warren Buffett said your greatest investment's in yourself. Mm. I mean, really, truly. I mean, because yeah. you're the one that's going to be able to create value,
1: yep.
0: an opportunity. And if 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 you're going to invest in anything, what you should be investing in is yourself. Right. And that starts best with your beginning of your day. And so, uh, I'm I'm a very faithful. But I'm also very faithful to the ideas that he, um, he, he uh, uh I'd say preaches, but he 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 shares. He did say preach. Yeah, he preaches yes. it. He preaches it. it, it he preaches it well. (laughs) I I like
1: hell too. So yeah, he he preaches
0: it enthusiastically. It makes you want to like, Oh yes, Hal, let's do it. He's
1: very committed to his philosophy. And, but, and that's what, that's what you should be, right. You should be committed to your philosophies, your thoughts, and, and, you know, uh, be willing to um, accept new challenges and new thoughts, but at the same time, um, be committed to kind of your beliefs, and he does he does a great job at that. Karen, what what are your last question? What are your three pillars of wealth creation? Three pillars. Oh my
0: goodness! I'm so glad you asked me that. Um, so my first pillar is people. Love that. Because, at so many fronts, <laughs> right? But the people around me in my my personal life and in my business life and in my other you know circles or spheres of influence or, are really what I invest in because that is where it really is where uh, that and i would say health because and that's a a um go abundance pillar too age defying mm-hmm. health authentic relationships is a um and one of the pillars and then the third one for me is time freedom because what I'm working towards is assets that generate income that funds my life, right. My creative life, my, you know, my, the opportunity to to be with the people and to, uh, you know, live an abundant life. So, so the people, um, the, the health and then the, um, the build the assets i i know many people call it wealth and and it is a wealth generating but i assets are more than just say real estate even though i have a lot of real estate but you know the assets of you know the intellectual knowledge of my books and the assets of my relationships and the assets of uh goes beyond the um yeah some some things many people think about
1: yeah what yeah, wealth is so many different things i mean we a lot of people Think I think on the surface level that wealth is all about the money, but I think once you start to create that monetary wealth, you realize that wealth is just so much more. Like you said, it's the people, it's your health, it's your time, it's you know so much more than just the monetary value.
0: Well, because you really don't get those things back,
1: right? Yeah, yeah.
0: Right. I mean, yeah. the relationships uh, you may not have an opportunity to yeah. to do it again. Right. I think about some of the things I've done. And I'm like, wow, that's that was it. That was my chance to do that, yeah. and with people. And then same with your health. You you may not get that back. Um, And then you don't get that back. And you never get your time back. You never get your time. Um, now back. you can have your memories, which are very valuable. Certainly. Um, but you you won't actually get that time back. So, yeah. all of those are the wealth focus for me.
1: Yeah, love that. Love that, Karen. How can our listeners? uh, Reach out. How can they get in touch?
0: Well, I'm actually very Googleable. So <laughs> if you Google Karen Briscoe, I usually take up the first page. Nice. Um, so on the real estate space, and my team's name is HBC Group at Keller Williams. And so I can help with your real estate needs in the Northern Virginia, DC metro region and beyond. I certainly have a great network of people. And then uh, in terms of the creative spaces, my coaching, my books, my podcast, that's all under the number five minute success. There's the five. <laughs> and so you can find that on the books on Amazon. If you're interested in uh, talking to me about whether coaching would work for you, then I have an opportunity. You can go on the website and schedule um, a visit to see if that would be a good fit.
1: Awesome. Karen, really appreciate it. Uh, listeners, you know, get in touch with her. Check check out what she's got going on. Uh, it, Worst case, you just got to buy that book, right? The Real Estate Success in Five Minutes a Day. It sounds like it'd be a very valuable book. Um, you know, it just takes you five minutes a day to read through that book and then you implement the 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 things that she has in there. So uh, Karen, again, really appreciate you. Appreciate the time and all the knowledge you've been able to provide our listeners. You have a fantastic rest of the day. And you as well, Todd.